0: Uh, This evening, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 11 from verse 1 through 18. And I've titled our message, uh, Laying Down the New Foundation. Laying Down the New Foundation. I was reading how how the largest city in China, uh, Shanghai, is actually sinking. It's home to 26.3 million people. There's like over 7,000 sky, skyscrapers, which many feel the weight of these buildings is bringing the whole city down, literally. They call this, and there's several cities in the world which this is happening, they call this land subs, subsidence. And here in Shanghai, uh, it's been sinking. They, they have uh, determined from 1996 to the year 2000, that the whole city dropped almost four inches. I heard, uh, what what was it? uh, Oh, I forget. I think it was in India, city dropped like 10 inches. Crazy, it's happening. But in Shanghai, because of that, in recent years, the government cut building, like more building, more skyscrapers, and they determined that the use of groundwater, the consumption, uh, uh, they stopped that to help uh, the ground from sinking, though Shanghai, uh, Shanghai actually sits on basically a drained swamp right next to the Yang, Yangtze River. So in other words, it's happening because the ground is soft. Yeah, it's soft. One part of the title in the article I was reading put it this way, how building up, that's the skyscrapers, how building up is bringing Shanghai down. And it just made me think how, if you don't we understand this, right, have a firm foundation, then we know the building will sink. We know that a solid foundation is always needed to make the building stand strong and last long. And the same thing goes with the church, you know. The same thing goes with the church. In First Corinthians chapter three verse 11, it's Paul writes here, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we know the foundation to the church is Jesus Christ. It has to be. And it has to be everything Jesus is about, of who he is, the Son of God, of what he's done for us in salvation. And so as we return to our study in the book of Acts, we find God laying down really this new foundation of the church in which we belong to today. But back then in the book of Acts, the church consisted of both saved Jews and saved Gentiles. They were brought together in Jesus. And now they are one body of believers. So what we're going to see is foundational to build this church, the foundation to, in order to build this church really is Jesus who has put together all peoples, Jew and Gentile, to form this church. So that's the idea here. That's what we're going to see as we get into our passage here in Acts chapter 11. So I title our message today, Laying Down the New Foundation, Laying Down the New Foundation. Now we're going to be, once again we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 11 from verse 1 through 18. And there's three things we're going to see in our passage. Number 1, the opposition. Number 2, the explanation, and number 3, the interpretation. So I did a shun thing here. So the opposition, the explanation, and the interpretation. So let's begin here with number one, laying down the new foundation. Number one, the opposition, the opposition. And here, in this section, we're just going to cover verses one through three in this section here. Now, let's take a look at verse one, first of all, verse one. We begin in Acts chapter three, verse one. It says, "Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God." We'll stop there. Now, we begin here with the with Luke, the writer. He is writing how the news that he heard that was heard, or the news went out basically, and it was heard that the hated Gentiles to the Jews, right? The hated Gentiles were being saved in Jesus Christ. It reached Jerusalem all the way to Jerusalem before Peter made it to Jerusalem. Now, remember last time we saw in Acts chapter 10, verse 48, that at the very end that Peter remained in Caesarea for a while, many days. But news of what happened had reached Jerusalem. Remember we saw in chapter 10 how Cornelius the centurion and his his relatives and his friends were gathered there. Peter came, shared the gospel, and they got saved. Well, this news that Gentiles got saved had reached Jerusalem, had went all the way to the apostles and the believers there in Jerusalem, and for them, it, it, it wasn't that great, and we're going to see that in a moment. I was thinking about how it's always bad news travels fast, right? And to them, that was like, what? What's going on here? Well, so we read here, the other the, the apostles, the other apostles that were still in Jerusalem, and the brothers, the other believers there who were throughout Judea. Judea, remember, is the county or the area where Jerusalem City sits. And and so they got word. They, they, they heard the news that the Gentiles received the word of God. In other words, they heard the gospel and they received that word. They received Jesus Christ and they were saved. So... Peter heads to Jerusalem now, verse 2. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. So here's Peter. He goes to Jerusalem. He goes to headquarters, so to speak, to share what God was doing. And, 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 and when they heard this, when Peter went there, I mean, what they heard, this was a, a big deal. Remember, we've been talking about this the past couple of weeks. How the Jews—they were into separation, but not so much evangelization, right? They—they uh, they believed they were the chosen ones. They believed that Gentiles, and in their tradition, they—they they were not the saved. God, God—God wasn't going to save them. They were—they believed, in the traditional sense, that the Gentiles were the—they were made to fuel the fires of hell. That's how bad it was. And since these pagan people, the Gentiles, were sinful, they were unclean. So even to go into their house was to defile yourself. Even to sit down to eat and share, you know, to them when you share food, share, you know, you eat a meal with someone, it's like you're communing with them. You're sharing your bread and you're breaking and you're you're becoming one with them. So to them, to to eat with the Gentiles, like, wait, what? How could you do that? um, To even step into a Gentile city, let alone being in the home, and this is Caesarea, uh, where Peter was staying, this was all shocking news. This was a big thing. Now, what we read in verse 2 is that when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. Now, who's this circumcision party Well, they seem to be the ones most upset here. They're the ones who are most upset. Like, wait, well, I can't believe you went in, verse three, to uncircumcised men—that's the Gentiles—and you even ate with them. That means you even went into their home. You went into their city. What? Well, who are these uncircum or this circumcised party? Well, this was a group of Jews now, and they were believers. They they had become Christians uh, in Jesus Christ. But they believed that the only way a Gentile could become a Christian was to become a Jew first. That was the idea. In other words, they had to be circumcised. They had to like become, remember we define a proselyte uh, is one who got circum, a Gentile who was circumcised and then he could go and worship in the Gentile area of the temple. So he, basically a Gentile became like this Jew. Well, these circumcised party this group yeah they believe well okay yeah jesus saves but you know what you have to get circumcised you got to become a jew first and then you could receive christ and then you could be saved now they're gonna be coming up against uh, saying complaining even more later in Acts chapter 15 but it was these guys this party that mainly were out there criticizing complaining wondering, what, what's, what are you doing, Peter? The word criticize here, you know what? The actual word, the root word means like separate. So there's, they are like, well, separating in a sense through their criticism. They are separating in their contention against Peter. It means to dispute too. So they were not seeing eye to eye with Peter and what he did. And even the Greek word speaks of doubting Peter. Like you can imagine, well, this is not the Lord. Peter, what's wrong with you? Something's going on. You're supposed to be an apostle. You're supposed to be following the Lord. So that's, that's what was going on. That was like the feeling of these guys who, who this circumcised party that were criticizing Peter. So this gr- group came at Peter when Peter arrived in Jerusalem in this outrage, why, for breach, the breach of Jewish custom. What? You ate? That means you went, in, you went in their house? You were in their city? What? Now, I was thinking, probably they were tolerating things, right? I mean, it, it was one thing for the hated Samaritans now to, there was a revival. Remember in Acts 8, there was a revival. They despised Samaritans. It was one thing for them to come to Jesus. They're half-Jews, so okay, all right. But, and, or, or let me add this. And it was another thing that one stray Gentile, remember the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, that he got saved, right? Through Philip, right? The, the, um, he went evangelizing there to him. But what is this? This was probably to them crossing the line. A whole group of Gentiles? No, no, no. See, to them, this was a scary shift of, 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 of these guys who are still thinking that the church or Christianity is actually another form of Judaism. Right now, for them, the church was still very Jewish. It was all Jews, right? And okay, Samaritans, all right, you know, oh, maybe one Gentile here, like these proselytites. But what? All these Gentiles? What? You, you went into someone's house? You, in the Gentile's house, you went into that city? So this is these guys criticizing, coming against Peter. Sadly, this pushback, sadly, this criticism, the opposition came, you know, from fellow believers still in bondage to their Jewish way of thinking. This is the opposition. This is what we see here in these three verses. You know, they forgot, right? what jesus had said i've been quoting to you acts 1 8 right when jesus told the the apostles or the disciples but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses where in jerusalem right that's where the church started in judea the surrounding area county and samaria we saw that happen in Acts chapter 8. And, and then Jesus said in Acts 1.8, to the end of the earth. What is that? Going out to the Gentiles, to the rest of the world. Maybe in their mind they said, oh, it's the other Jews, the Hellenist Jews, right? The, the Greek-speaking Jews. Maybe it's the other Jews. But Jesus was talking about out into the world to the Gentiles. Remember Jesus said back in Matthew 28:19 when he gave the great commission, "Go therefore and make disciples of what? All nations." Yeah, that's Gentiles, right? Baptizing in them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So, here's these guys, this circumcised party they push back on peter they criticize him the opposition came from these fellow believers still in bondage to the jewish way of thinking holding on to their traditions they right away we see when peter arrived they came at him and i was thinking we can do the same thing right isn't that something we do we criticize first we come at, we hear something, or or we, or we take someone's says, and we just we're we're out there criticizing, judging them already before what we gather any information first, before we even hear them first. I mean, I think a better way to handle things is to respect that person first. I mean, they should have respected Peter. Wait, this is the apostle. This is Peter. Well, I, I don't, I'm don't. i not comfortable with this, but let let me hear from him first. I mean, that's what we should do. We should ask. We should listen to what they're saying. I mean, I'm convicted of this. I mean, sometimes I just blurt out, well, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe it without even understanding it. And with those words, I crush the heart. With those words, I make someone feel dumb. You know, I put my view above maybe how they're seeing things. Or I'm, 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 I'm critical because, you know what, you're doing something that I don't do. So, well, I'm right, right? And you're wrong when you do that. That's like these guys. Or how I, my perspective is more better than your perspective. And we come at people like that before maybe figuring out, wait, what's going on? What is happening there? Or maybe they're, they're, they are little off, oh, but we've got to have compassion upon them too. These guys, these, uncirc- these I'm sorry, circumcised party, right? They criticize. That's a huge word right here in the Greek, "criticize. This is their attitude. And I was thinking, "Oh, sometimes I'm like that." <laughs> you know? Sometimes we, we just speak without thinking, and we come down on people in our criticism. You know, the thing is, we should find out first, right? Let's respect that person. Oh, well, what do you mean here? Oh, what are you saying? Oh, maybe they do need to learn. Or maybe we're the ignorant one. Don't just speak out of ignorance because you never found out why they do something, yeah? Be informed, have compassion, have respect, and be informed. I was thinking about one time years ago, I was at a wedding reception, I was talking story with someone and, and, and we were, we, I don't know how we got into this topic of translations of the Bible and we're, we're having a little fellowship over that. Well, this guy being a King James only guy, he ignorantly said, made this statement. He said, oh, new translations, they just take out verses. They just, it's so wrong. It's not a real Bible. And I thought, "Oh, well, wait, wait, you know, kind of thing." And I, I was thinking, that's our attitude sometimes. I mean, if you understand the new translations like we were standing out of the ESV, they're based on older manuscripts that were discovered later than when the King James version was first translated in 1611. There's been more discovery in recent years. And so today, the translators feel that the older manuscripts, and and I agree, are more accurate, closer to the original. Perhaps some of the differences that we find, it's never doctrinal or anything like that. But little things, perhaps, maybe it was added by the copyists or the monks who, who maybe wanted to explain a passage a little bit more. And so there's things like that. So, but to just blatantly say, oh, New Translations, they're, they're, they're junk. They take out verses. How could they do that? That's blasphemous. Well, that's an ignorant statement. That's criticizing and saying something without getting the information first. And I think we can do that plenty of times. When we hold to a certain view or a certain principle like these guys, they they Grew up Jewish, they were Jewish through and through, yet they were saved in Jesus, they came to Christ, but still they held on to a lot of their Jewish way of thinking. And these guys were criticizing Peter. How could you? What, go into a Gentile house? I don't know about you guys, but I was kind of convicted, like, ooh, I I hear my voice in there in certain situations that I say to someone. So be careful, be careful. You guys, God was shaking their faulty foundation of these guys. This is not what church is about. This is not what being a believer, a follower of Christ is about. And God is building a new foundation, the kind God wanted. And so we see God is laying down the new foundation in what 's going to happen here, so we see the opposition, the opposition of the guys, these guys let 's go to number two, the explanation, the explanation. Well, we go on in verse four when the, well, after the circumcised party criticized Peter, you went what to Gentiles ate with them, verse four, but Peter began and explained it to them, and I like this in order, he just shared what happened. Uh, uh, chronologically in order what happened. Verse 5, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Verse 8, But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common that is uh, 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 unkosher or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven. What God is made clean, do not call uh, uh, common or not kosher. Verse 10, this happened three times and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold verse 11 at that very moment three men arrived at the house in which we were uh, and sent me from or sent to me from Caesarea verse 12 and the spirit told me to go with them making no distinction Now Peter's response—he did not get into some heated debate. He, he 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 didn't like put them down for their immaturity and how they're acting. But being a Jew, you know, he just shared what happened. He just shared what went on. Now we went over this story uh, the last time and the time before that, and 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 it's been told twice already, right? In chapter ten, this is like the third. Time the story is told. And I think that's interesting. I mean, anything that God says is important, right? But if He says it twice, it's very important. If He says it three times, it's something vital for us. And I think it's important because this was a shift, a change in the thinking for the Jews. I mean, mostly the church back then, the early church was made up of Jews. But now God was reaching to the Gentiles and folding them together into the church into the the body so we remember this story right the sheet with all these animals there's a few little details added like in verse eight beasts of prey were put in there and that's not kosher to eat and and um so there's a little bit more detail put in there but pretty much it's the same story that that really the lord is telling peter hey it's okay to eat the clean and unclean animals. It's right. What I say is okay now. It's all okay. And he was pertaining to not just eating, but to the Gentiles, the unclean uh, that the Jews traditionally look at, Gentiles, they were going to be okay. They were going to be all right to be saved in Jesus. And let me say this, that the Jews must accept the Gentiles that they can also be saved in Jesus alone. They don't have to become a Jew first. No, this is a whole different thing that is happening. So we can all eat whatever because it's not about being a Jew. It's not ab- about being Gentile, but it's about being a follower of christ now in peter's explanation of this really it's this story yes the third time but i thought about him speaking to the circumcised party speaking to the other apostles and and relaying this story and i could see him like in this story in this account logically giving them his experience so they would receive it that this is the lord like like how he laid it out here like okay the sheep came down everything and and the lord you know says hey peter kill and eat and here in verse um 8 right but i said peter says by no means lord no lord yeah which shows wait he's yeah he's a jew too yeah yeah i'm with you guys i understand what you know clean unclean i followed all this since i grew up i'm following you know the the law and everything um, no, Peter's not some renegade here. He's not doing something on his own. But the Lord then said, no, what I say, you eat. And then three times that happened. Remember, I talked about God's really underlining this. God's really making sure Peter gets this, that, oh, no, it's not, I'm not just being sleepy and, and this is coming. No, this happened three times to so be clear to Peter that he clearly understands that this is god who is saying this and then i think as he goes on here i think the next thing is that how he ended up at cornelius's house god arranged peter to go and undeniably cornelius the centurion had this vision right i think just to use um let's see here um Okay, the three men arrived, right? From Caesarea. Caesarea, uh, Caesarea um, and then verse 12, the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. In other words, go with them. Even though there's Jews. Don't be prejudiced here. Don't, oh, oh I can't walk with these guys. I can't go to their this house. I can't go into this the Gentile city. No, the Spirit said go. And it, it connects the sheet with all the clean and unclean animals. And and then it says that in verse 13 that he, Cornelius, told us how he's seen an angel. And you have to understand for Jews to hear that this angel of the Lord came, oh, they respect that, that God would send an angel. And so, whoa, this is something God did if this angel came. And to a Gentile, there's, There's something going on. And then I love verse 14, which is a little more detail for us from the other stories. He will, the angel saying, right, that Peter will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. So remember last time Peter was preaching and he's because they wanted to know, okay, how are we saved? Okay, how can we know God in a deeper way? And so this is clarifying a lot, but we see here now Peter is telling this story. Is Look, the angel, the Jews respect, told these Gentiles that Peter's going to come and share with you the message, the gospel, on how you will be saved. Not get circumcised and then come to Jesus and get saved. No, directly saved by Jesus alone. And then verse 15, and you know what? As I was sharing the message, Peter's saying the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. What is he referring to? Well, remember last week we saw in verse 46 of chapter 10 that as Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell and they started speaking in tongues right the gift of tongues came upon them because they did receive jesus they did accept jesus and they started speaking in tongues just like on us peter says you know us you know what happened at the beginning what was that acts chapter 2 at pentecost the same thing happened it's kind of like this was the second pentecost the first one was with the jews but now this is with the gentiles which is evidence to their salvation just like the Jewish Christians now the Gentile Christians they are being filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues evident by speaking in tongues now I'll note again and I said this before uh, uh, speaking in tongues is not the only proof of the baptism of the Spirit but for this time in the early church it was the biggest evidence it was showing that the Holy Spirit is doing a work. It was a, a visible, it was an audible uh, a evidence that the Spirit was there. And so they, the Gentiles needed to speak in tongues too so that Peter and the apostles and those who other Jewish Christians are listening could connect Pentecost and to what Peter's testifying to, to, to go, whoa. They are getting saved. God is doing something here. The Gentiles are being saved in Jesus Christ. Now, one other thing I think is good in verse 12. In the second part, it says, These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. If you remember last week, uh, we saw that these men uh, came with um, Peter to Caesarea, and they were also Jewish Christians. And so, uh, let's see, I could find it. Verse 23 of of chapter 10, and some of the brothers from Joppa uh, accompanied him, uh, which are the Jewish Christian guys. And so six guys came with Peter to Caesarea, and now these same six guys that were with Peter and Caesarea, they're in Jerusalem now. Because he says, and you know what? These guys, he's probably pointing to, they were with me. These brothers, these Jewish Christians, they, they went with me, accompanying me, and we entered the man's house. Now, this is important because these guys also experienced what Peter was saying. They witnessed the Lord uh, saving these Gentiles, the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Now, take note that the Jews know that according to Egyptian law back then, that Egyptian law says you must have seven witnesses. If you count the six guys and Peter, right, that, that's seven. Uh, Roman law says you have to have seven seals to validate a document. And so God worked it out where these, there's these six guys and Peter validating that the Gentiles are able and can and were saved in jesus christ so all this is it, it, the idea of peter saying look this this is god this is really from god he's doing this it's not, i'm not just saying this you're not just hearing some rumor or or i just didn't go off and do this on my own no god is really doing something here So I like Peter here. He patiently and confidently shares step by step what happened. The explanation clearly shows that God is doing something new and different in Jesus Christ. This explanation that the Jews are hearing, the Jewish Christians, it clearly shows that God is doing something new and different in Jesus Christ. It's not the old Judaism now. It's not that. it's something way different in Jesus Christ because now the Gentiles are being included in the church of God. Isn't that great? Because we're Gentiles too. Isn't that great today? Because we're we're part of the body of Christ here. Colossians 3.11, Paul wrote, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and all. All. I love that verse it 's on the screen. here meaning this new life in christ this this new church, this new body, this new group these this new children of God that he has made in christ jesus there 's no distinction anymore there 's no prejudice between Greek and Jew. Uh, circumcised, the Jewish guys are uncircumcised. There's, there's no distinction with barbarian. You know the word barbarian. There in Colossians chapter three uh, eleven, it, it came from the Greeks who called unschooled um, and and foreign people that were unschooled who couldn't speak Greek. Everyone spoke Greek back then. Um, they were called, bar, called barbarians because the, to the Greeks. Their the, the language that they could only speak sounded like bar 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 bar. They were called barbarian, and and so oh these unschooled people yeah um, skith. A Scythian where it was like a warring nomadic tribe. I, I was thinking, oh, it's like a biker gang or something. No. But, you know, I mean, think about it in today's terms, you know, whether we're schooled or we're not schooled, whether we're foreign or not, where, whether we can speak English or, or not, whether um, we, we come from this, this crazy background or not, whether we're Jew or Gentile, slave or free, no matter where you are in a so, social ladder, Christ is all and all. We're, we're all together in one church. And so we're seeing what this explanation clearly shows that God's doing something different. It's new. He's bringing everybody into this oneness in Jesus Christ this is amazing chapter 10 I told you is a pivotal chapter and as we come into 11 it continues on this is a pivotal time in the early church as Gentiles now are added now that even the thinking is being changed the heart is changed Peter's heart what? Remember, had that groundbreaking heart change a couple of weeks ago? Well, now it's it's coming into the church. It's 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 being done, and everybody to see this is really what God meant. This is really what Jesus is doing and has meant all along. And we can agree, right? We can agree to this oneness. I mean, being Gentiles, grateful we're part of the the church. We we can be. We can agree the oneness that God's done in Jesus Christ. I think we all can say, amen, thank you, Lord, we're one. But let me say this. Know that the enemy wants to divide what God has put together with prejudice. He knows us. He knows our our fleshly tendencies, our sinful flesh. He knows how easy It is for us to to get into our prejudices, to get into our cliques, so to speak. I was thinking, you know, Hawaii is the aloha state, but sadly, behind the words is much prejudice here, much. Well, we need to break down that so-called relationship foundation, yeah, of who we are. We need to lay down a new one, you guys. We need to, I know I talked about this a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago, but, but we really need to think about this because what we're seeing here is all of that being broken down, a new foundation being laid. Because the old one is faulty. The ones the circumcised party had, it's faulty. It was still separate, a separateness type of thing. It wasn't love. It wasn't one body. And you know what? We need to look into our own hearts too. I mean, here's the thing. If you have a tendency to be critical, to always put down someone, watch out because the devil smiles at that. You'll play easily into his hand. If, if, if you're a type of person, easy to oh yeah, keep reading people, keep judging them. Yeah, you know, it's easy for you to make that divide and prejudice rather than what Jesus does. He has open arms for anybody, for anyone. Walk of life, and that's even you guys. Even if if we feel justified, yeah, for and we're holding to principle, be careful because sometimes that just turns into this prejudice backed up with these excuses, excuses that really prop up self and prop up that prejudice. You know, back in twenty ten, this article uh, came out and said 49% of Republicans and 33% of Democrats said they would be upset if their son or daughter married someone affiliated with the other political party. Crazy, yeah? In 1960, it was only 5% Republicans and 4% Democrats. Can you imagine what the numbers are today, post-COVID? I mean, uh, uh, and even with our current political landscape, right? Very divided. I mean, the, div- the, the division, the, the, the gap is even bigger today. We're being played into the devil's hand. You know, I think it's sad how Christians were the worst with this kind of prejudice. Prejudice. During COVID. We were the worst. During the presidential elections. And not just toward the unsaved. But you know. More so with other Christians. I don't know if you guys saw that. But I did. I I was very saddened by that. How polarizing Christians were. To believe this or believe that. If you're not that. Well I'm not going to hang out with you. Stop being, quote-unquote, the devil's advocate, so to speak. Why are we proud about that, right? Speaking for the devil? I mean, sure, we, we, we have our convictions, and yes, we need to hold to them. But we can speak the truth in love, like Paul said. Besides that, the problem, remember, with the Pharisees? Was they're so proud and their law, and their principles. They were so much, uh, uh, made themselves above others, yeah, because they thought they were so righteous, but it was just self-righteousness. And Jesus called them on that many times. But he also said this, like in Luke 6.36, he said, be merciful just as your Father is merciful, he, he called out the Pharisees, woe to you Pharisees, like in Matthew 23, and listed all this stuff and says, you have neglected this and this. And one of the things he said, you've neglected mercy and faith. And so, you see, I think we can fight that tendency with compassion, with mercy, with a listening ear. We're thinking about the other person rather than you, 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 and what you feel and how bad they are. Maybe they are. But we need to approach each other differently like Jesus does. Yeah? Like that song, right? Come just as you are. I'll receive you. I'll I'll still love you. I'll still accept you. What do you have to say? Let's talk about things. Rather than, well, you don't feel what I feel? Forget it. See you later. And we put borders. Yeah? How much time we spend with someone, whether it's none at all or only a little bit. That's a prejudice. That's what these guys were like. But in the explanation, Peter's really showing, you know what? God's doing something here. He's breaking down those walls. So will you let God do that work in you? Laying down a new foundation. So we've seen the opposition, number two, the explanation Now let's go to number three, the interpretation. Interpretation. I like this part. Verse 16 through 18, the rest of our section we're going to cover here. But first of all, look at verse 16 and 17. Peter goes on and says, And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's actually from Acts chapter 1, 5, right before Jesus ascended. Verse 17, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? I love that. This is so awesome. So so Peter lays out his thoughts on what all this means, what God is doing here. He said, you know, I remember now, remember when Jesus said before he ascended, yeah. That, that John's gonna baptize, John baptized with water, but you know what? You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Remember that? We're all there. Acts chapter 1, 5, right? Well, Peter's saying, this is exactly what Jesus said would happen. That the Spirit would fill believers. And look, we were, and now, look, the Gentiles are. So Peter puts this cap on everything that happened, confirming, yeah, This is God for sure. This is is what Jesus said being fulfilled. In other words, it's not just us seven guys saw this, experienced this with our own eyes. It's not just our witness and testimony we're giving you guys about seeing the Gentiles getting saved. But what happened is this fulfillment of what Jesus was talking about. And now I understand, he's saying. It's not just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles too. Jesus was talking about this broader fulfillment of both Jew and Gentiles. That everyone can be filled with the Spirit. Can be saved and be filled with the Spirit. This is what Jesus was talking about. The Gentiles getting saved. I love that. And so what's the conclusion? Well, if these guys receive the same gift like us, when we believe, who am I to stand in God's way? How can I stand in God's way? How can I, no, Lord, I'm not going to eat that. No, God, they got to get circumcised first. No, God, I can't step in that house. No, God, I'm not going to eat with them. No, God, I'm not going to give the message of of Jesus Christ without them being uh, circumcised. In other words, here's Peter like, look, I'm with you guys. You know, I, I was raised in Jewish customs and traditions too. But look, this is God. God is clearly in this and how can I go against this? I think this is all building up, right? I mean, think about Jesus, right? When they're with Jesus, perhaps maybe they're making some connection. Jesus reached out to the Samaritans in John chapter 4 and there was a revival of Samaritans, Acts chapter 8. Jesus reached out, remember, um, to the people of uh, Gerasenes, Gerasenes, when he delivered that man, right, full of legion, all those demons and stuff, and then he told the man go back to the city and proclaim Jesus in Mark chapter 5. That was a Gentile city that he told the man to go to. And, and then in Luke 7, Jesus reached out to a centurion, right? Who sent his servant. Um, um, he, he, he reached out to a centurion when he healed his six, sick servant, if you remember that. So I, I wonder if it's making all connection here because we see Jesus reaching out in that way. And if Jesus did that, the apostles should not be surprised when they are called to do the same. So here's Peter. Peter. How can I stand against God and what he's doing? The work of God. And so verse 18, when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. So what could be said? It is logically laid out. It makes sense. They see God in it and they what? Fell silent. It just quieted quiet all their criticism and and argument. And they see that Gentiles are now given the opportunity to to repent and to be saved. So they gave God glory. So the interpretation here that Peter gives in 16 and 17 shows a divine move to tear down prejudice and bring Gentiles into the fold. That's what he's saying. No, God's doing this. God is bringing the Gentiles into the fold. Turn to uh, John, to the left, John chapter 10, and look at verse 16. Just to the left, John, the next book over, chapter 10, and if you look at verse 16, Jesus speaking here and says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be what? One flock, one shepherd. What is he talking about? Well, it's not the Mormons, okay? It's about the Gentiles. That's the proper interpretation. See, the interpretation is this divine move. God is bringing Gentiles into not a Jewish church, this isn't a Gentile church. It's not a Samaritan church. But one flock under one shepherd, a new flock. You know, when the, when the understanding comes, when God speaks to you, when the interpretation, the meaning comes and, and speaks to you for what God is doing and how he's moving, will we respond to that? Will we move to that? Will, 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 will we let it change us? I want to bring you to that mindset. What we're reading here about redoing our foundation, um, just tearing down the, these this prejudicial kind of foundations and all that we all have, and just loving on everybody. Will we respond to that or will we still resist? These guys are going to come up again. They're going to resist, and I, I, we'll see that later. But I believe God is working in our hearts a revival. That we would understand this, that l- we would look at each other differently. I mean, we live in a world where, where we're so like, well, I'm not sure I'll, I'll let you in to be my friend. There's so much stuff going on in our society. That it's leaked into the church, but God wants to bring a revival in our hearts so that God would work and give us a new foundation. God wanted a church that is one, made up of Jews and Gentiles and whoever would come to Him, that we would receive anybody, no matter that we would be one body. Children of the Lord, one family in Jesus Christ. Let me give you a, another interesting thing. And I, I, I read this. And go, whoa! I didn't know this. John MacArthur said this in his commentary. At least seven years elapsed from Pentecost until the founding uh, until the founding that of the church in Antioch. Now. Antioch, we're going to read about that in the, in the next part of this chapter. And um, there, Gentiles are going to be reached too. But seven years from Pentecost, say, to what happened with Peter. Isn't that crazy? It wasn't like one thing after another. There's been a process. There's a process that God put them through. Remember, I, I was giving you Peter, right? First of the Samaritans, him and John prayed over them. They received the Spirit. Whoa. Samaritans can be saved, yeah? And then remember, he went and went into the, uh, and touched a dead person, raised her to life. And then he was staying in a tanner's house, right? No one would stay in that. Now he went into a Gentile city. His heart was fully changed. There was this process going on. Little by little, step by step. But in those steps, you know what? Peter responded. He responded. And the churches responded. It took a little while. But God and his plan and his gentleness and moving this church, the early church, into receiving Gentiles is happening now. And it was a process, but God kept moving here. How about you? God is bringing you through a process, speaking to you, little by little, changing you. Are you maturing there or are you resisting and are you stuck in your immaturity. Not reaching out to people. Not accepting them. Oh no, I I can't do that. That's for other people. But you know, God is asking you to do that. See, God's not going to just say, get out there, right? He's going to change your heart little by little and he's changing us tonight. Will you allow that change to happen? We pray about revival, about God, yes, come, save people, but how about us? And this is one way. This is one part of that revival is when he brings revival in our own hearts to love the unlovable, to love those who don't agree with you, to love those who, who, why you do this, why you do that, to be compassionate, to be praying for them, to be accepting, to be welcoming to them. Step by step, God is doing that in our lives. Amy Carmichael once gave these thoughts. Sometimes when we read the words of those who have been more than conquerors, we feel almost despondent. I feel that I shall never be like that. But they were won through step by step by little bits of wills, little denials of self, little inward victories by faithfulness in very little things. They became became what they are. I like that. I really like that. No one sees these little hidden steps. They only see the accomplishment. But even so, those small steps were taken. That's so true, you guys. So true. So let God work in your heart, even if it's a little step, because I believe God is speaking right now. Tearing down that old foundation, laying down the new. Let God bring that... Revival into your heart right now. It's so sad when you don't allow God to work. Because you know what? All we do is we become this fleshly version of what we think we should be. I'll close with this story. In his audio, uh, autobiography, Mahatma Gandhi wrote that during his student days, he read the gospel seriously and considered converting to Christianity. He believed that in the teachings of Jesus he could find a solution to the caste system that was dividing the people of India. So one Sunday, he decided to attend services at a nearby church and talk to the minister about becoming a Christian. When he entered the sanctuary, however, the usher refused to give him a seat And suggested that he go worship with his own people. Gandhi left the church and never returned. He wrote this If Christians have caste differences also, I might as well remain a Hindu. Isn't it sad? The usher's prejudice, right, betrayed Jesus. That's not what Jesus is about. He also turned away a person who is open to trusting Jesus as his Savior and Lord. I think it's shocking. It's pretty heavy. But then I think about who have I hurt? Who have I driven away because of my attitude, my criticisms? Who have I crushed because of my own prejudice? Well, let's let God root out that sin and Bring revival to our hearts. That we would have a heart filled with love, mercy, grace. Let God tonight work on your heart by laying down the new foundation. Let's pray. Jesus, I confess my wrongs here, God. And Lord, how I can be so, I guess... Short-sighted, seeing only myself and situations and what people do or say and not really listening between the words, not really seeing the heart, not really looking at the other person where they might be, making comments, blurting things out without thinking, God, but it only reveals my wicked, selfish, and critical heart Lord we can be so vicious to one another so bitter speaking God and not show your love but just come down on people because we think they're so wrong but we need to Lord before we look try and take the splinter out of someone else to look at the beam in our own eyes you said God will you come and change us tonight Lord we want to break down the faulty foundation the the soft soil that we're building upon And God if we keep building it's going to crash but Lord we want the firm foundation lay a new foundation in our hearts tonight God let us be and become the people of God that you want us to be to not put up walls, to not be shy, to be bold in our love and grace and compassion toward one another. Lord, let us be people who treat each other as family, who treat those who walk into our lives, into our church, Lord, welcoming them, loving them, no matter how they look, where they've been, what we might read in them. God, we don't want to be people like that. God, you broke down these walls in our passage here. You moved. This was you, God. You did this. And let us obey you. Submit ourselves to you. Just as Peter did, God. Just as the early church is doing right now. We lay ourselves before you, God. Honest, seeking forgiveness and cleansing and seeking a new heart, a new foundation. In Jesus' name, amen.